0: Hi everyone, I'm Charlie Boyd and welcome to the Jesus on Display podcast. Before we begin today's content, I wanted just to say thanks for supporting us here at Fellowship Greenville with your gifts and generosity. Because of your giving, we get to share resources like this podcast with you to help reach you wherever you are in your life with Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministry of Fellowship Greenville, you can head to fellowshipgreenville.org forward slash give to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. 65 million Americans heard a sermon last week, a sermon of some kind. And if my calculations are correct, a dedicated, regularly attending Churchgoer will spend about one week, that is seven 24 hour days, one week out of every year, listening to someone preach, and that is a long time. And 83% of Christians uh, say that preaching is the top reason for choosing and staying in a church. And yet, with all of that, it's seldom do we ever hear anyone preach on preaching. Now, Preachers hear a lot of comments on their preaching, positive and negative, but most of the people who uh, most people who attend a, a worship service on a regular basis like this one probably haven't thought that much about what God actually intends to happen when his word is preached and his people listen, and that's what I wanna talk about this morning, why preaching matters and what the Bible has to say about that. So I wanna jump in and I wanna begin by asking an even more basic question, and that is, what is the main business of the church? Years ago, a guy named Dean Kelly wrote a book entitled Why Conservative Churches Are Growing, and his main thesis was that Evangelical churches are growing because they stick to business. And then he asked the question, what's the main business of the church? And he wrote, the main business of the church is to keep referring people toward God, to keep viewing the world under God, to keep putting the God question on the table, to keep asking in all of its thought and life together, what does this have to do with God? And Kelly said that churches decline when they forget it's all about God. And he claimed that growing churches never lose sight of the main business of the church, and that is to keep God and the gospel in the forefront of people's minds and hearts. And one of the main reasons of doing, uh, uh, one of the ways that God does that, keeping God and the gospel in front of people, is through the preaching of the word preaching of the word, not doing group therapy from the front, not offering self-help solutions. Too many sermons today are little more than Christian self-help talks, which, by the way, the followers of Jesus don't really believe in self-help. We believe that we can help ourselves exclusively by ourselves, and we need a God who saves and intervenes and intrudes in our life and does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and preaching the word is not preaching politics. It's not trying to make the gospel fit modern day social agendas in order to be relevant. Hear me, too much of what is called preaching today is little more than self help, political and social commentary, or a story time geared to entertain. But according to the scriptures, true biblical preaching is more God centered than me centered, it's more about God's rule than who the next president will be, it's more about God's agenda than woke social agendas, it's more about how Jesus not only comforts us, but he also at times makes our lives more complicated, especially if we really are seeking to know him and to follow him, and consequently, it's more transformational than informational. Biblical preaching is the main business of the church. Now, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, well, what about worship? Okay, let's talk about that. The problem is when we say worship, all too often we think about worship as the singing portion of a worship service. But worship is more than singing. The music and the message are worship because worship is responding to who God is and what he's done and is doing and will do through the gospel of Jesus. And that response comes in response to the words we sing and the words we hear. When and if those words exalt the goodness and the greatness of God. Now in the past, people used to think that worship, the singing portion of the service, set up the preaching. And that was misguided because really, Preaching serves worship. Preaching ass- serves worship. John Piper put it this way, I love this. He says, the great aim of preaching is the white hot worship of God's people. And that being true, you can understand then that preaching serves, preaching assists worship. And that's true, but it's, it's even more than that. Preaching itself is also worship, or it should be. You see, worship is not a natural act, not something that we emotionally conjure up on our own. No, worship is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to do a work in our hearts to draw our hearts towards God's goodness and greatness. The Holy Spirit works to connect our hearts to the heart of God, and it's the Holy Spirit that takes a preacher's words and turns them into God's word. So music is one way of moving the heart toward God, toward worshiping God, and preaching is another. So preaching serves worship, and preaching is worship. It's both and. Or maybe you could say this, Piper again, preaching is worship seeking worship. Preaching is worship seeking worship. And Jesus said God is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. And and, and truth-telling is the main business of the church. Now, here's my text for that, 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. Um, My paraphrase. The Apostle Paul uh, defined the main business of the church to young Pastor Timothy like this The church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of the truth. The pillar and foundation of the truth. What's the main business of the church? As I said earlier, to keep the truth about who God is and what God is up to in the world in the forefront of the minds and hearts of God's people. And if that truth uh, is not preached, heard, sung, and embraced, there's no worship. Listen, we, we live in a day when we are constantly bombarded by lies and deceit. Outside those doors, there is very little in the way of truth that comes our way. And there's a spiritual battle going on for your heart and my heart, and much of the battle has to do with whose voice you are going to listen to, or who you are listening to. And I tell you, I'm greatly disturbed by the fact that many Christians today are listening to the voices of people who don't know God, don't care to know God, and who ridicule and despise the people of God. Why are we listening to those voices? Sadly, many churches today have turned from God's agenda for the church and have embraced political and social agendas that parade as truth. But God says they're nothing more than foolishness. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 3.19, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. The church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of truth, it is in the preaching and teaching of God's truth that we come to know God and his truth and then we grow as we learn how to live out that truth in our daily lives so that we show what God is really like to people who walk in darkness no grow show it's all attached to preaching and worship Now think where but in a God exalted exalting Christ centered Bible-preaching church, will people hear truth like this? That God was born a Jew in a nowhere town of Bethlehem who lived briefly, died violently, rose unexpectedly, and kept on speaking truth to those who betrayed him. Where are you gonna hear truth like that? Or I like how Will Willimon puts it, he says, infinity inhabiting a finite man, a virgin who is a mother, a baby born into the world he created, a God who dies, a dead man who lives, he who had everything submitted to life as a beggar, then the all-powerful one refusing to raise his hand against his killers, the best person who ever lived becoming the victim of the the worst of human cruelty. Where are you going to hear that? And build your life on it. You're not going to hear it outside the doors of the church. Where are you going to be confronted with truth like that? That truth is foolishness in the eyes of the world, but it's the wisdom of God in a church where the scriptures are being taught. That's why the church matters, because it's the pillar and foundation of truth. That's why preaching matters, because preaching is the main way that God's truth continues to be proclaimed in our world today. Now, for sure, there has been and still is powerful preaching that goes on in stadiums and on streets and college campuses and in jails and many other kinds of places, and it needs to continue to be in those places and increase in those places. But 95% of all preaching in the world happens in weekly worship services of some kind, whether it be a dozen believers under the shade of a tree in Africa or 2,000 people meeting in a place like this. For the most part, Christians hear the word preached in weekly congregational worship, and that's why I'm saying that biblical preaching is absolutely essential for worship, and it's absolutely essential for the health and mission of the church. Or to put it another way, God has appointed preaching in worship as one of the main ways of carrying Jesus' truth-telling mission forward in the world. Now, let me give you a biblical foundation for how important preaching really is. If you do, uh, we're going to look at the big picture here. If you do a quick survey of the Bible, you'll find that, pr- that, uh, that much of the written text of the Bible was originally sermons preached to God's people through the mouth of God's prophets. Like uh, right off the bat in Genesis, we see Noah preaching to people about the coming flood. Moses communicated who the one true and living God was and is to God's people through his preaching. Genesis is actually a sermon Moses preached and then it was transmitted from one generation to the next until it was written down. Deuteronomy is actually three sermons Moses preached to the people before he died. The historical books of the Bible are sermons by Samuel and other prophets who show up to deliver God's truth to God's kings and God's people, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Haggai, uh, Zechariah, Malachi, all preachers, all preachers. Amos predicted there'd be a time when there would be a famine in the land, but not of bread, but of hearing the word of the Lord. We're getting close to that today. If you're reading along with us in our CBR, our community Bible reading plan, this past week you would have found yourself in Nehemiah chapter eight. And that chapter is about how after some Jews returned return to Jerusalem from exile, as they were rebuilding the, the walls of the city, they found a copy of the Torah. Uh, the law of Moses. And so Ezra stood and read Moses' instruction to the people, and Ezra's fellow priest, quote, gave the sense of the words being read so that the people understood the reading. That is, they preached expositionally explaining the Torah in a way that people could understand and apply to their lives. And that's the main way that we teach here. Take a break from it in the, in the summer. But uh, we going through whole books of the Bible, passage by passage, uh, long passages of Scripture, passage by passage. That's what we're doing uh, here. Explaining the text in a way that people can understand and apply to their lives. And back when Ezra did this, When the people heard God's word preached, they wept for joy at finally having recovered words lost to them in exile, but they also wept for sadness at how far away from God's word and his will they had fallen. And the preached word was transformational. It wasn't just informational. It grabbed their hearts and minds and produced repentance and life change. Moving on to the New Testament, again, I'm just, I'm just skimming the surface, but almost half the Gospels are the written down sermons of Jesus. Jesus officially began his ministry in Luke 4 by preaching. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news. And Jesus took preaching as his main job. The Sermon on the Mount, the Upper Room Discourse, the Olivet Discourse, all the parables are all sermons. Jesus preached the gospel of the coming kingdom of God, and then he turned around and made preaching and teaching the vocation of all his disciples, commanding them and us to tell the world the good news that it can't tell itself. The book of Acts contains some 28 speeches, mostly by Peter and Paul, that account for nearly a third of the entire text. The church began on the day of Pentecost with Peter preaching, and 3,000 people repented of their sins and trusted Jesus as their Messiah as a result of his preaching. And then we're told that the new church gathered together in homes and, the, and the, the main thing, the first thing they did was give themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the apostles' teaching. In Acts chapter seven, we see that persecution broke out against the church um, because of a blistering sermon that Stephen gave. In, in one sense... Uh, The epistles, all the uh, uh, all the epistles are like sermons in letter form, because they take Old Testament scriptures and the teaching of Jesus, and they explain them and apply them to different people living in different places that are encountering different problems. Now, Paul stated his case for preaching in Romans chapter ten when he says, "How will they call on Him whom they have not believed?" And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless somebody is sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the preached word of Christ is what he's saying. Now, if you work backward, Paul's logic is preaching, hearing, believing, saving faith. He's saying that preaching is the main way that people encounter the truth of God's word. He's saying it is by hearing the word preached that we come to faith and we grow in faith. And yes, yes, we can come to faith and grow in faith in other ways through somebody just sharing the gospel to us, uh, personally, through personal Bible reading, small group Bible studies, conferences, retreats, some form of media like on YouTube. But again, first and foremost, most of us came to faith when we heard the gospel preached in a weekly worship service like this, and we grow in faith the same way. And that's why Martin Luther called the church the mouth house, <laughs> the mouth house, not a library reading room. And Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians one twenty-one, where he said, in God's wisdom, he determined that the world wouldn't come to know him through its wisdom. Instead, God was pleased to save those who believed through the foolishness of preaching. And finally, we come to the book of Revelation, and, and it begins in the first three chapters with the letters to the seven churches. But in reality, they're not letters. They're nothing, there's not anything letter-like in them. They are sermons preached by the risen Christ to people in those churches. Preaching a sermon is not an exclusively human work. Listening to a sermon is not an exclusively human work. There's a very real sense in there both miracles, or they can be or should be, miracles that the Holy Spirit wants to work in you, to grow you in your worship, and to grow you in your faith. The Jesus on Display podcast is produced right here at Fellowship Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Follow and share this podcast with anyone who might be interested or curious about our church community or how storytelling unites us and helps us feel more connected. To actively keep up with what's going on at our church community, head to our website at fellowshipgreenville.org, follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in. Grace and peace to you for your week, and we'll see you next time.